Have you ever wanted to start your very own podcast? Sorry, that's a dumb question. Of course you wanted to start your own podcast. Podcasting's amazing. Head on over to Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. Use promo code GAMEPINIONS. And then you, that's right, you listening to this right now, you can have a free month of podcast hosting service. And also, if you take that promo code, you can also get a free month of stats so you can keep track of that podcast that you're working so hard on. Blueberry is incredible, and the features are simply amazing. I don't have time to talk about them, though, because I have to start my own show. So after this episode of Game Pinions, make sure you head on over to Blueberry.com, look up what it is all about, use promo code Game Pinions, and get started on an adventure of a lifetime. Welcome to Game Pinions episode 24. I'm your host, Calman, and today I'm joined, as always, by the man who's always out of bubblegum. TJ, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today because, as some of you may know, E3 2019 concluded today. So that means there's a lot of E3 announcements and various things that we need to discuss. So, uh, once again, as we did last week, uh, I skipped the, you know, what are we playing category. Uh, I haven't really had too many changes in my uh, gaming schedule. I don't know if you have had any. Nope. I've been playing the same stuff. H- have you had the chance to play any of that Rocket League uh, Ghostbusters mode Ooh. yet? Actually, yeah, I have. I actually played last night with uh, John. Yeah, how was that? Uh, It was really weird. I didn't really understand the rules that well. I think it was the whole, like, three seconds you have to, like, touch it. But it kind of reminded me of that one game mode where you're hitting the ball back and forth, and the last person to touch it, it kind of turns into that team's ball. Yeah, drop shot is what you're That's talking right, about. That's right, yeah. yeah. So it almost kind of feels like a mix between that and then a really limited rumble mode. So it, I don't know. It was kind of weird. I think that once you get into it, it's probably a lot of fun, but I just didn't really have a lot of patience for it, and it was just kind of strange. Yeah, I know you and John get kind of wild when it comes to Rocket League, so it probably would take you guys some time to uh, coordinate how to play that a little bit, a little bit better. But it goes for everyone right now. So, oh yeah, it really is only a limited play mode. Uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about, Rocket League has a radical summer event going on, and they have a limited time game mode uh, called uh, Ghost Hunt, where you have to take the ball. Uh, with your teammates and keep it into the goal for more than an instant like it normally is. Uh, pretty interesting. Uh, what Cal's saying is it's not all, you know, it probably takes some getting used to. I think it's a, a good neutral way to say it in its early stages. And, again, it is uh, for a limited time only, so you should try it out if you have Rocket League. Yeah, and it's it's weird because when, when you go in there, it has a really different aesthetic to Rocket League. It's like, like a haunted like uh, aesthetic? Or yeah, it like has like dark? that yeah, that like horror film like you know, film grain. Really? Yeah. So it, it looks like it's kind of jarring at first. Um, so it kind of takes a little bit to get used to that and there's actually you actually can't get into the uh, the goal. It's actually if you go into the goal it like turns into like almost like a jail cell bars and it blocks you out. So there's actually an area before you get to the goal that is like glowing 
and it's like kind of like whirling. It's like a dark. Energy. Okay, yeah, that's like the Ghostbusters containment field. Yeah, whatever they call that in that movie, and that's where you got to keep the ball, I guess. Right. Yeah. Did you guys score at all? Uh, John scored twice, <laughs> and I scored once. We ended up losing, I think, five to three. All right, it's pretty good for your like first couple times. Yeah, with the last goal we scored, the one I got was with zero seconds left. So. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, the game was over at that point. Um, but it was. Uh, you actually, I don't think you can blow people up either. Okay, that's 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 different. That's definitely different. Yeah, uh, yeah, because they want you to concentrate on teamwork and not taking people out like a normal rock league. So that's that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like if you could take people out in that game, that would probably be a lot of people's like number one objectives. Because I mean, if you have an advantage in numbers, you're all kind of combining yep. to keep that ball there. Yep, I see exactly what you're saying. Yep, it's like you'll never get it out again. Right. So, it'll just become like a war of attrition. I mean, you'll just be everyone will be going at each other and just won't. It'll, defeat the purpose of the game mode yeah so it'll just be you know a game of let's blow each other up and then you know we'll score that way yeah so, over time zero zero yeah yeah so it's it's not really going to uh to work out that well um i also wanted to mention um just one thing that me and john did uh yesterday and i don't recommend anybody doing this if you play mlb um we were kind of getting a little bit we weren't really getting bored but we wanted to try something different so we went ahead and we changed around all of our MLB players' positions to positions that they don't belong on. Oh, my God. And we put position players on the mound. And after the first two innings, I think we accumulated like 16 errors um, because they'll just overthrow the ball and they'll drop the ball. So I don't recommend doing that, but it was actually pretty hilarious for like the first 10 minutes. Good tip. And then the innings wouldn't go by. I guess. Yeah, we actually got disconnected from PSN, and I am so thankful for that because we were completely done with that by the time we got to the fifth inning. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was pretty bad. What was the score? Uh, I think I was winning um, maybe six to four at the end. That's fairly pedestrian, but the errors were in the double digits. Oh, yeah. If someone got on base, you could just keep getting caught in rundowns, and they'd overthrow the ball, and you could just keep going. Oh, my God. So it was basically just, <laughs> yeah, it was basically just like a chance. It, you know, it's like we kept swapping out our position players to go into, like, you know, to go to the pitcher area, and then once they get tired, we'd put someone else there and put them into a different position. Wow. Um, but it was awful. Uh, so don't recommend that. Um, but, yeah, I guess I guess we can get – into the E3 topics. Uh, starting off, I guess, with Bethesda. That's what I had on here. Um, and when when we go through these, uh, I was talking to TJ about this earlier. Um, I feel like it's a little bit redundant to go through and talk about every single announcement and dissect every single thing. So we're mainly going to be talking about like highlights and just kind of give our opinions of you know the different uh, things that really stood out to us. I just feel like it makes more sense that way. Um, so uh, I wanted to start off with Bethesda because um, just in terms of like their press conference, I actually thought it was a pretty awful press conference. Um, they showed a lot of mobile games, which to me are very similar to like the Connect games from last generation. It's like every time that they kind of come on screen, it's like ah, or they'd show you this really cool trailer. And it's like, oh, wow, this game looks awesome. And then they actually show the gameplay, and it's just some guy sitting on a phone. So it's like, it's pretty bad. Um, but I want to talk about Fallout 76 because they kind of came out and they have apologized for, I guess, the struggles that that game had at launch. And if you look at that game at launch, it was one of the most colossal failures of all time. I personally really liked the game. Um, I definitely knew that there was a lot of shortcomings with it. 
Um, but just in terms of uh, people trying to return the game and not being able to, uh, people getting the wrong uh, like messenger bag from the uh, pre-order bonus or from the special edition, and then having to put their name in to get a replacement bag, and then their addresses got leaked, and just a whole bunch of random stuff that shouldn't have ever happened. So they basically dedicated the first like few minutes of the presentation to kind of just you know go over what's going on with the game and that they're happy that you guys are you know still around and talking about the fans that they're still around and uh it's uh it's pretty cool because they actually went ahead and announced that there's going to be uh, a new mode because one of the biggest complaints about uh fallout 76 um was the whole uh lack of human npcs in the game it was all like robots and uh video recordings which i actually liked but it was part of a bigger story, and I think this actually really was all of their, you know, their plan all along. Because even on the early uh, descriptions of the game and, and like features, they said that eventually all the vaults would be open, and I assumed that that was when the people would come out. Because Vault seventy six, you're the first vault to leave and go into the wasteland, essentially. So they're going to be introducing an NPC pack called the Wastelanders. You're going to get to have full quest lines and all that, and that's going to be awesome. Um, I feel like that's going to bring a lot of people back. But they also announced Nuclear Winter, and they elaborated on that more. And it turns out that uh, Nuclear Winter is going to be a Battle Royale mode. And I think that's actually um, really interesting because when you look at Fallout 76 and how glitchy the game is and how many issues it has, it in no way, shape, or form does it look like this game should have the capacity uh, to be able to handle that. But apparently people are actually really enjoying it, which I think is, you know, crazy. And it's it's apparently the only Battle Royale game that features nukes. So you can actually get nuclear codes and use them on the other players, which is pretty cool. And Fallout's map is also a lot more elaborate than a lot of the other Battle Royale maps because it's not really designed for that first and foremost. Um, so I think it's really cool. Um there, there was a lot of skepticism when they first announced this, and as this uh, trial went on, people enjoyed it, um, but this was at uh, 404discord.com, uh, and this is at subpar gap. Fallout 76 is getting Battle Royale. Someone please end me. Hashtag Bethesda. So it was definitely getting some skepticism and all that, but it turns out that people have actually been enjoying it, and this is Zero Fox FX been really enjoying Fallout 76 since the beta, so I wasn't too sure about them adding Battle Royale. Was actually surprised by how good it is. It's awesome. Try it. It's free. Um, and there, there's another uh, one on here too. Uh, at G27 status, I'll be the first to admit I scoffed at the idea of Fallout 76 Battle Royale, but I'm glad Bethesda trusted their gut. This mode is fun and mostly well done on launch. So I think that is pretty awesome that they actually are trying to write the ship as best as they possibly can. A lot of people just expected them to drop support for this game. So it's it's really awesome to see that they're continuously trying to make this thing better. And I mean, they really have to at this point because they don't have a lot coming out um, immediately, especially with Starfield still way off. And of course, um, yeah, the Elder Scrolls that's still really far off. So I, I thought this was a, a really good announcement. Um, now, I know you never played Fallout 76. Right, I never played it. Or any of the Fallout games. Or any of the Fallouts. Um, so, and I also know you don't really like Battle Royale games, as I don't either. Yeah, it's one of those things where 
remember like at the height of Fortnite's craze, like everyone was playing it. Yeah. Like even like our friends' parents were playing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I made a decision then, like I'm not. That's not going to be me. I'll stick to Rocket League. I'll stick to Bloodborne. Whatever I was playing at the time. Yeah. So yeah, I it, I didn't want to get started. I don't want to. I don't want to be consumed by it. Yeah, and I honestly kind of feel that same way. Like Apex Legends doesn't do anything for me. Uh, Fortnite has never done anything for me. I do think it's interesting though because with Fallout seventy six, that's you know it's nuclear winter mode. You can actually um, get attacked by the in-game creatures still, so you still have that aspect of the game. So it, it maintains a lot of the Fallout vibes to it, and a lot of the Fallout enemies from the main series games. Yeah, so okay. you can actually get attacked by a non-player, like while you're playing the battle royale mode. So you have to not only watch out for the other players, but you also have, you know, like death claws and all these other all these other monsters in there that can kill you all the same. Right. So the environment is something you have to watch out for too. Yeah. So it seems like there's a lot more that goes into it. There's a lot more depth than I guess the other battle royale games well, just hopefully because there's a lot more challenge. Yeah, that's yeah. what it seems like. Um and then of course, you know, players can acquire nuclear codes and that, you know, affects a wide area of the map if it's the same as how the actual game works cuz the actual game, I don't know if do you know anything about Fallout 76? Nope. So essentially like when you play the actual game, um, a group of players can find, I think, three nuclear codes. They're very hard to find, or at least I've never found them. Um, and once they do that, they can pick a location and they can launch the the bomb. And when that happens, it basically broadcasts on, I guess, your radio that a nuclear detonation is going to occur, like a bomb has been launched. You can look on your map to find out where it is. If you're in the blast radius, you're dead. I mean, you're going to die unless you get out of that blast radius. Um, but you can actually, if you have a power suit, you can actually go in, or I guess power armor is what they call it in the game. You can go in there and that's where all the crazy high level monsters spawn. So you can actually go in there and do a raid in the high radiation area. It's really cool. So basically I think if they added that into the battle royale mode, which they did add nukes, I don't know if it spawns monsters, but essentially it's going to make it more difficult to, I guess, win. But I did read a story. It was... Um, basically, a player got the nuclear codes, and they launched a nuke, and they ended up killing themselves with the nuke. They got hit by the blast, and ended up dying. So I think it's just there's a lot of more there's a lot more elements in this that make it I think a little bit more silly and, and interesting. Then of course you have kind of like the ragdolly physics with people put like landmines down. You know, you'll hit it and your body will get all blown apart. Right. So it's just you know stuff like that I think makes it a little bit more fun. Um, it's also a completely different setting than Fallout. I mean, you're in a post, you know, nuclear, you know, apocalypse essentially in this one, which I think is really cool. Um, but I think it's it's something cool that they they added in there. Um, in terms of the other Bethesda announcement, I I didn't really uh, they didn't really stand out to me too much. Um, we did have Arcane's uh, Death Loop, which was the creators behind Dishonored. That's their new game. Uh, looked interesting. Uh, I watched the trailer for it, um, but it didn't really do a whole lot for me. Um, but I, I do like Evil Within 1 and 2. I think they're phenomenal games. So it's definitely, or that's, I'm thinking of the wrong thing. Uh, I never played the Dishonored game, so I don't really know what to expect from these. I'm thinking of this next game I was going to uh, talk about. 
uh, her sister really likes the Dishonored games. So I would, uh, I would, you know, I've I've beaten uh, Dishonored one. Oh, it's you have? Def- yeah, it's definitely a unique experience. And started to play Dishonored two, but I'm not a big first person person. Yeah. Uh, you know, I much prefer Metal Gear's uh, third person style of self. Yeah, I think I do too. I think I feel like you would like the Evil Within um, because it's very. Like for I guess a third person shooter, it's actually pretty difficult. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, you know, that's a third person perspective. Um, because that's actually from uh this next game that I was gonna I was gonna talked about, and that was the the Ghostwire Ghostwire Tokyo from Tango GameWorks. They're the same creators of Evil as yeah Evil Within One and Two. Um, so I'm assuming that game's gonna be a third person game. Um, but they uh they make like really high quality games uh i loved the first evil within and i was playing evil within 2 on the on the channel actually um i still have videos that i haven't uploaded from that but they just have really good stories to them and it's like really challenging gameplay um they just usually don't associate to those games um like those type of third person uh i guess horror games but i guess resident evil uh was kind of difficult for its time too um the next game was Doom Eternal. Have you ever played the the Doom that came out on like the PS4 and Xbox One and Switch and PC? No, but I uh, people really liked that game. Uh, so this Doom Eternal was it like a sequel or like a DLC or what? Uh, it's, I think it's a full blown sequel. Okay. Um, the first game was really good. Like it's like really really smooth. It's fast paced. It's uh it's something to play if you just want to have like fun. It's similar. It's not really similar to Killing Floor, but I kind of compare it to that in a way. Yeah. Where it's like it's it's completely different style of gameplay, but it's just satisfying and fun and very fast paced. And the level designs are, you know, they just it really works well with, uh, you know, the combat, and everything just kind of flows. It's it's a lot of fun. Okay, just kind of like a simple shoot 'em up, but it's satisfying. At the yeah. Same time. And it keeps it's, you want to keep playing and all that. Yeah. And it is, like, super smooth. I don't know how many frames per second it runs, but it is, like, one of the smoothest games that you'll you'll ever play. And on a console, too, to boot, so that's good. Yeah, it, it's really fun. I really like that a lot. Uh, the next one's Wolfenstein Youngblood. Uh, not really a fan of the Wolfenstein games. I'm sure I'd like them if I played them. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, that both of these games, Wolfenstein, Youngblood, and Ghost, and, uh, sorry, <laughs> I don't know why I'm so hooked on the, the Tango game, uh, and Doom Eternal are both going to be releasing on Switch as well, um, so that's pretty cool, um, but Wolfenstein, Youngblood, I mean, it looks fun, I just don't really know a whole bunch about the Wolfenstein games, so <laughs> that's really all I got on that, um, and then I guess we can go to uh, Ubisoft, and Ubisoft, they had Watch Dogs 2. I honestly did not watch any of the, the Ubisoft press conference, so I don't really know <laughs> what else they showed. I just know they showed off Watch Dogs, and I think they showed off a uh, maybe a trailer for like the Netflix series of The Division. So I guess that's cool. Um. But do you have anything on Ubisoft? They, uh, I guess they showed off that roller skating game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't watch the trailer for it. I just, you know, read about it. Uh, you know, just a, just a one-off game. It's kind of an original concept, I suppose. I don't know if it has anything, any similarities to like Tony Hawk or anything like that. So, 
that's definitely different, I, I guess. Yeah. Uh, competing against each other, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not not super uh, crazy about that, but I'm glad people are trying new things. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, personally, I don't really watch, or I mean, I don't really play a lot of Ubisoft games. I think the only one that I really play a lot of uh, would be the Division 2. Um, anything besides that, though, I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just haven't really been picking up Ubisoft's games. Um, you know, I know they have, like, uh, I guess, like, the Splinter Cell games and... Uh, Rainbow Six, is Rainbow that a Ubisoft? Six, yeah. Um, they have those games. Did they show off a new Rainbow Six? Uh they did something, uh, something in 2020 coming out. Uh, I guess another shooter, uh, co-op shooter. Okay. That has a uh, horror game parts to it. So, uh, yeah. So maybe that that should be be cool. I guess. Uh, you know, whatever. I guess that six C Rainbow Six Siege is a really popular game. So. That's right. Yeah, everyone loves those. Um, or everyone that plays them loves them. Uh, it just I don't know. It kind of follows out of my uh you know scope there i just don't really uh zero in on the, those games too much i kind of have like my the games that i play and then i'll go and, and be adventurous like division two i didn't even know what the gameplay looked like when i picked it up i mean i just don't really i don't really look into those games that much and i actually really like the division two a lot um but yeah that's that's pretty much all i have for ubisoft honestly i mean if they released like a new red steel game i'd probably lose my crap about it but <laughs> besides that that's probably about it yeah we don't really play too many of their games um the next one would be ea ea of course they had their sports games uh which was you know pretty typical of them nothing really amazing patrick mahomes is going to be on the cover of madden not really super exciting um but they did show off star wars jedi fallen order which uh I actually heard some people that have seen the game, and I've—I mean, I watched the trailer too. I honestly thought it looked really good. Um, people said it looked like uh, Sakura with lightsabers uh, in terms of, like the stance and all that. Yeah, I mean, I also I saw it was kind of like the Titanfall wall jumping thing. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. Do, who who does make Titanfall? That's not an EA game, is it? Uh, no, it's an EA game. Okay, so I guess they took that wall jumping from there. I don't know how when that first started, but that wall running thing uh, looked looked pretty neat. Yeah, it's uh, it it, they, it looks like they did kind of incorporate that, um, and the uh, the lightsaber play looks like it works really really good, um, like there's a, a scene where he's kind of just walking up to like these stormtroopers and they're shooting him and it's he's basically just like you know reflecting their uh you know blaster fire, and it's going back and hitting them and it's just killing them like instantly, um, there's also a scene where they they're shooting. A, like a laser at him and he stops the laser in the air like kylo ren style I've seen that yep which is uh really really cool yeah i think the stormtrooper fires the shot and the jet the character you play as slows time down takes the stormtrooper that fires the shot moves it in front of the blaster the blast and the blast kills the st stormtrooper it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome it's interesting it's yeah interesting. it looks like there's going to be a lot of different force abilities in it um, and if it's, you know, anything like Star Wars Episode 3, the game, I think I'm going to probably like it. Um, it seems like and a lot of people have been saying that this looks like the Star Wars game they've been waiting for since, um, KOTOR. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. I mean, Respawn Entertainment is a really good studio. 
you know, the Titanfall games have some of the best, um, you know, gameplay mechanics and uh, shooting mechanics of like any game. And I think they're highly underrated uh, for what they do. So I think this game is going to be really awesome. And I'm always down for a new good Star Wars game for sure. Uh, people have been wanting Jedi Acad- a new Jedi Academy, Jedi Academy game. Uh, you know, that's kind of renowned for those games are renowned for their lightsaber combat. I don't know if they'll get that here. Uh, I'm pretty sure when you do PvP and maybe even PvE in that game, uh, your lightsaber kills in one hit. Um, that's probably the most realistic way to do it. At least from what I can remember, that's how it works. So it'll probably you'll probably you'll probably have to chip people's health down with the with the lightsaber. So it won't be completely accurate, but um, yeah, it looks like it'll be fun. You move around with a little, you, you you know you've got a lot of control of the environment. You ju- jump to high places and climb high places and things like that. So you'll you'll probably it'll probably give you a good sensation of feeling like you're you're actually a Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm really looking forward to that, and that was mainly the big E3 game that stuck out to me, um, because you combine Star Wars with video games, and excluding the original, uh, I guess EA's original Battlefront, uh, it's usually a good thing when you combine those two things. Um, this next, uh, the next company we're gonna talk about, Square Enix, uh, they showed off the Final Fantasy VII remake, which honestly looked phenomenal. You know, I have no interest in Final Fantasy because you know we just didn't grow up with it. But I, I, you know, I wanted to check it out. I'd seen the the uh, thumbnail to the video to the trailer. I'm like, hmm, it looks pretty good. Let's uh, let's let's dig into this. See what we got. And sure enough, you know, I recognize that movie, the music from Smash Brothers. That, you know, and and uh, you know, I saw like, oh, that's pretty cool. And obviously, the thing looks amazing. Yeah. Um. That's really stood out to me. I'm like, holy crap! This is like Battlefront two levels of graphics, at least in the in the trailer. Uh, and uh, our sister says this is you know it really just showcased one area from the original game. So she's hoping, and I think a lot of people are hoping it's more than just what they showcase. I'm sure it will be, but oh yeah, I'm sure uh, a lot of a lot of dark features in what we saw. So hopefully, you know, more illuminated areas are are just as graphically pleasing as the dark uh, dark visions we saw. Um, so yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of interest in that game, but I mean, it really is captivating, uh, watching that trailer and listen to the voice actors and when you compare side by side what it used to look like. Oh yeah. It kind of goes without saying it's just unbelievable, unbelievable how, how far technology has come. Yeah. I mean, I, once again, I mean, I, I pretty much echo your thought there. Uh, I, I don't really have a lot of interest in Final Fantasy, um, but you can just definitely tell, especially when you like read about them developing the remake. They were having, I'm pretty sure they had some kind of development issues halfway through. Um, there was rumors that they had to start over from scratch. Um, if that was the case, this final product looks like it was definitely worth that because um, it's, I mean, it, it looks incredible. Like, And when you do compare the side-by-side to what it used to look like, it it's almost mind-blowing. Uh, just how different and how far along we are now. Um, so, you know, I know there's a lot of Final Fantasy. F- <laughs> I'm I'm losing my my voice here. I'm starting to sound Southern. Uh, I know there's a lot of Final Fantasy uh, fans out there uh, <laughs> that are really excited about this, um, and I'm I'm happy for them because this was kind of a, a long-awaited um, reward here. 
That's going to be coming out, I believe, March of 2020. So there's still a little bit to to wait on that. But a lot of people, including our sister, said that she's surprised it's coming out then. She was expecting a much longer wait. Hasn't it been three years since they first announced it? It's been something like that. Uh, it, I'm not really sure like how long it's been, but it's it's been a while. I think it's based on what we saw. It it probably will be worth the wait to a lot of these people who are who have been looking forward to this. Um. One of the things that kind of stood out to me in this trailer, like, you know, when he swings that buster sword, like, even just watching it without even the buttons underneath my thumbs, I could feel like the weight of the sword, you know, making that letter, you know, when he cuts the letter in space. Yeah. The Japanese text in space. I'm like, oh my God. I mean, you really feel. Just by looking at it, the weight of that sword and how they just kind of slow it down to start and it kind of, you know, finishes fast. You know, it, you know, it kind of reminds me of Smash Brothers Smash Four when he was first when they brought him over to Smash Four Cloud. Uh, you know, a lot of those moves, you know, have a lot of like, you know, there's a big swing, uh, you know, with his front smash and his tilts and stuff. You can really feel the the weight of that sword in your hands. So I, it was kind of interesting to see then this new. Uh, graphically pleasing iteration of the older game that that comes back. It's still there. I mean, it's, you you really feel like he's swinging something really heavy. Uh, it's just 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 satisfying to look at. Yeah, I, I think that uh, like one of the best parts about this game is that I feel like it not only appeals to Final Fantasy fans, but it's also going to bring in people that I feel like you know previous to this didn't really care too much about the series just because of, like the aesthetic of it. And just how, I mean, people know Cloud from Smash Bros. now. I think it's going to introduce a lot more fans to the, um, you know, to the series. And I think this is going to be a really good entry point to people that have never played, probably including ourselves, um, if we uh, ended up wanting to get this game. I mean, everyone knows about Final Fantasy. I mean, people have heard that game before. And I think they associate it with turn-based combat and kind of a convoluted story. And... Uh, I think a lot of people who know about Final Fantasy number seven is their favorite, uh, so it'll definitely you know it'll definitely catch your eye if you've never kind of looked more into what it actually is before, yeah. like it did us. Yeah, uh, turn-based combat does not appeal to me, but the way this looked and uh, what what they were doing in the trailer was was really quite something. It's something I didn't uh, you know expect it to to look like. Other yeah. than what very limited experience I've uh, I've had with uh, uh, playing as Cloud in other games like Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's going to be awesome. I'm happy for everyone that is going to finally be able to get to play that game. Uh, the next thing that stuck out to me was Dying Light Two. Um, Dying like Dying Light Two was actually one of the games, um, or the the predecessor to that, uh, the original Dying Light was one of the games I got to review uh, for a website. Um, like you know, a while back, it was probably close to when the PlayStation first came out. Um, and I love that game. It was, you know, awesome. It was kind of like Mirror's Edge mixed with like you know a horror survival game, and you know the controls worked really well. Very fast play, very fast paced game, and it was very awesome concept. Like you could kind of do your thing during the day, but as soon as nighttime came about, things just got absolutely crazy, and you would get tracked down by. Uh, I think they were called the Nightmares. Um, so I love that game a lot. This game looks like more, but it looks like it's improved. Um, obviously, the the graphics look a lot better. And Dying Light was a beautiful game when it came out, but it just looks even better now. 
Um, and I'm I'm really excited about that game. I think that's that's a game that a lot of people that um, you know haven't had a chance to uh, to play yet. I definitely think that it's worth picking it up. You can probably get Dying Light pretty cheap now, and uh, I think it's definitely worth uh, a playthrough um, because it's it's really a phenomenal game. Like it's it's a really well crafted game, and uh, man, I, I I really love that game a lot. It was really good. Um, awesome multiplayer features too. I hope they uh, expand upon that in the second game. Um, but that's that's going to be a really good one. Um, this uh, this next game that I had was the uh, Octopath Traveler is coming to PC. That game was originally a Switch exclusive, so I'm happy that people on PC are now going to get to play it because that game is actually really awesome. Um, I don't know if you've uh, seen that game at all. No, that's just a what like a top down RP uh, like a turn based RPG something like that. Yeah, it's basically that, but essentially you have like I think seven. Well, yeah, that would make sense. Uh, it would be uh, eight different storylines because um, there's eight different characters. So when you play w- with one character, you play like an entire full length game of that character storyline, but then. After you're done beating that, you can go to a different character and play through all their storyline. So it has a, it has a ton of content to it. Uh, the stories that um, that I played through were really good. <laughs> like they just were really well done, very engaging. The mechanics are very good. Um, the art style. A lot of people are bashing the art style, um, but it's almost like a more like an eight bit uh, type motif. It's almost like a I'd say kind of like a, a 16-bit, but it has like HD-looking like textures. Okay, so it's got a unique look to it. Yeah, and I guess like people kind of complain because I guess a lot of games kind of have that similar look. I bit personally overdone. like it. Okay, uh, like that was one of the biggest draws for me, honestly. So, um, really good game. If if you know you haven't checked that game out yet because you didn't have a Switch, but you do have a PC, honestly, I'd recommend it because it's uh, it's definitely a good play. Uh, the next game that stuck out to me, and this is the final game, uh, the Avengers. What did you oh, think of the Avengers? Goodness, I, uh, you know, everyone everyone likes the Avengers, right? I mean, you know, they just had uh, End Game come out about a month ago, maybe uh, two months ago, month and a half ago. So I'm like, oh, you know, Avengers on a video game. Wow, great, super. Uh, I turn this trailer on, and right away, you know, you you're greeted with like Black Widow, who doesn't look quite like herself um and these characters look so plain and i think they actually went i think thor looks fatter than like a regular thor like they're actually using some uh end game visuals there but <laughs> i guess he's dressed like normal as i don't know he just appeared to me very kind of heavy but anyway uh it looks really plain kind of boring a little pedestrian uh, I don't blame them for not getting the likeness of the stars we know and love uh, Robert Downey Jr., etc., because that's really expensive. But damn, I mean, this is just so, uh, uh, you know, vanilla. Uh, I just could not, you know, I watched the whole thing, but I just kind of felt like, this is this is it. This is the Avengers. Obviously, they they're not using the music either. They didn't have they don't have the Avengers theme. Yeah, it kind of hurt too, in my opinion. I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah, uh, it's like, uh. Uh, like an indie game. 
But actually, that's actually insulting indie games. It <laughs> does. It looks. It looks. It just looks bland. Nothing too special about it. Nothing that popped out. Nothing that uh, makes you want to play it. Yeah. Um, I will say I didn't think the trailer looked that great either. Um, but I will say that when the Spider-Man game, like you know, uh, Insomniac Spider-Man, uh, started having its trailers and stuff, I was really skeptical about it and I kind of thought it looked like majorly underwhelming obviously it looked amazing graphically um, but I thought it was going to be very generic with just generic enemies and all that but when I actually played it it was amazing it's it's one of my favorite games of all time like hands down so I wonder if this is going to have the same effect but I don't know um, then again I, I also think the spider-man uh like storylines and and villains and all that I feel like they're they're not really overly uh, utilized and they're not overused. Where I feel like at this point the Avengers is kind of I mean it's over, like at least the the main line that we are used to with like you know the main characters you know Tony Stark, uh, Thor, you know all those guys, like that one's kind of over now, and then you're seeing them come back in a video game, but it doesn't look like them. Personally, I don't think there could ever be another Iron Man. I feel like Robert Downey Jr., I mean, that's he's Iron Man. I mean, these guys kind of look like the original people, but just, uh, you know. They look like knockoff versions. I mean, it, it's like the episode of Seinfeld when they're like, you know, there's like Melman right. and the other people. That's right. The Bizarro crew. This is like the Bizarro Avengers. Yeah, it's like Everyone they're... looks just, just slightly off. Yeah, and I don't really like that. But like you're saying, but, you know. Spider-Man looked, you know, kind of pedestrian in its trailers. And when you play it, it's like, oh, wow, this is a lot of fun. Now, the thing about Spider-Man, I mean, Spider-Man has so many different uniforms that look very close to each other. It can still keep you engaged. I think that these characters look so odd, you may lose them, uh, may lose interest. But then again, you know, how many how many hours do you spend making your Skyrim character or your Dark Souls character only to, like, never see their face? You always see the back of their head. So if you're yeah. playing as these people, maybe that won't be a factor. And I'm not saying the voice, you know, the voice actors, uh, I think, are fairly well known. Uh, not well enough that I remember all their names, but uh, I think they're actually fairly talented people. So uh, I, it may be wise, even though I've kind of bashed it so far, to maybe not judge a book by its cover. You know, the game can still be fun and not look all that right. I mean, there's a lot of games that were made in the 90s and early 2000s that don't look anything like what they're based off of, especially movie and video, uh, mo- movie games, licensed games. Yeah. So, yeah, there could be a lot of, uh, you know, on-the-surface stuff that doesn't look quite appealing, but when you get to it, it may be uh, kind of fun. So, uh, Jerry's out on this one right now. Yeah, isn't it? For some reason, I thought Troy Baker was voicing uh, Tony Stark. That sounds familiar. Like I said, I probably could look it up real quick, but I don't uh, – these, these voice actors are supposedly very good. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like partially, I partially think that I don't like it because I'm just so used to how the, you know, the characters are in like the movies. So maybe that's part of the reason why I feel a little bit skeptical and why I don't there. It's not sitting well with me for whatever reason. Yeah. So maybe that's why where with Spider-Man, I actually really like the Peter Parker in that. I think that's actually the best Peter Parker out of all the the Peter Parkers. Really? So he's got like a good voice actor and just kind of, okay. Oh, I think he's excellent. And I think, but also though, if you think about it, there's never really been, besides Tobey Maguire, there's never really been an established like, you know, Spider-Man. So we're so used to change all the time 
that it didn't really bother me having a different Peter Parker because they're all different anyway. Yeah, it's like four Peter Parkers in the last ten years or something. Yeah, so About it's like years, you know, and we've only we've only known one Iron Man. Yeah, for the past decade. Yeah, um, and really one Thor and one Black Widow and yeah, that's, we associate those those characters with those actors where uh, Spider Man, you know. He's more fit, and you know what? What's the difference between well, Iron Man? I was gonna say, I was gonna say that, you know, Spider Man is known with his mask on. Black Widow, Thor, the Hulk, uh, Tony Stark to an extent, Captain America. They we see their faces. Yeah, like I said, Tony Stark to an extent. Uh, Peter Parker, you know, he doesn't. You don't fight a Spider Man with the mask off. I guess typically, I've never, I haven't played the Spider Man game, but. Uh, so that's why it's, I think, yeah, it's more palatable to play a, to get into a Spider-Man game when he looks just as familiar as he ever has. Yeah. Uh, and voice actor is always going to be a young guy, so it kind of just m- m- melds well with what you're familiar with, where these people who sound completely different and look completely different, it is more jarring. Yeah. And may keep people away, uh, despite it may wind up being a good game. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean... I don't know. I feel like subconsciously that's part of the reason why I'm so skeptical about it. Well, it looks cheap, right? I mean, if you had all yeah. the expensive actors in there, like, oh, man, they went they went hardcore to this game. Yeah. Uh, who knows? They had to weigh, you know, if we go cheap on the the likeness of what how these people look or don't look like their actors were essentially basing them off of versus we pay all these people and the game doesn't sell well, I guess they're going with the with the safer option. Yeah. Now, would you be as skeptical if, say, just hypothetically, that all these Avengers movies and all these, you know, Marvel, Capcom, or not not Capcom, uh, Marvel uh, Universe movies didn't exist, uh, and this game was just like the first Avengers thing to come up, do you think you would be as skeptical? I mean, I wouldn't even give this the time of day. <laughs> the, uh, the Avengers are popular because of the first Iron Man and all the movies that yeah. followed it, and... All the tremendous acting and spectacles those movies have delivered. That's why this game is being made. So, no. If this was like the first thing coming out in 2019, ooh, an Avengers game. Wow. Nobody cared about these guys until the Marvel Cinematic uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Uh, sans Spider-Man, who has been popular for a very, very long time. Uh, all those people at, uh, at Marvel uh, are, are the reason for the popularity of these characters. A game would not have enticed anybody. Yeah, so I guess those those characters made this type of game even possible. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess we'll we'll see what happens when it comes out. I just feel very uneasy about it. Um, I don't know if that's going to change. Like, I don't know if I, I don't know personally if I can get over even if the game is amazing. I just don't know if I can get over the characters looking different and not looking like how they look in the movies. I just don't know if I could do it. I mean, that's how I'm wired. I mean, you know, if the reviews come in and they give it a 10 out of 10, this game's amazing. I'll be like, oh, okay. Probably still won't play it. Yeah. But I'll be more likely to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, mean, I guess me too. Um, But that was all I had for uh, for Square Enix. Um, So a lot of people said that they had the best show of E3. Um, I thought they I thought they did a lot of good things. Um, So I definitely think they're up there for sure. I think they met expectations at least. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the next company we're going to talk about is Microsoft, who I thought going into the show was going to have the best E3 
press conference. And honestly, I think in terms of showmanship, I think they definitely did. Um, I guess I'll start off with uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, and... Basically, they showed off uh, CD Projekt Red's brand new game, and it looks pretty awesome. It, you're like kind of like a, a cyborg type character. It seems like your your arms can turn into like you know these big blades, but it's also going to be a first person shooter. Um, you know, instantly I'm thinking about you know your ability to fire a gun, but then also kind of have like your your arms do some crazy stuff in terms of attacks and just all all that good stuff um and i guess the biggest surprise of the trailer was uh keanu reeve or reeves right keanu um, reeves, yeah. yeah so he ended up being in the in the the, the trailer for it yeah, he had a character a cameo yeah he makes a cameo in the trailer and yeah he, he, he actually present i don't know if he shows i guess he uh i didn't watch the whole presentation but i guess he shows up after the trailer or right before it or whatever so people are yeah. Losing their minds. Yeah, so he actually, the door opened up, and there was just a huge, you know, puff of smoke, and he was just walking out. And, uh, yeah, the crowd went absolutely crazy. I mean, he's a popular guy, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm actually pretty interested to see what uh, what he does for this game. Yeah, it seems like he's going to play a pretty major role in the story. Um, you know, his character looked awesome. Um, he seems like a really cool guy. It seemed like he was really hyped up about it. Um, you know, he's talking about how they approached him and all that um, to make this game, and he said he's always interested in, in good stories. And um, it it just seems really awesome. I feel like you know, obviously, this is a game that can be played across you know all these different platforms, um, excluding Switch probably. Um, but you know, the fact that Microsoft was able to get them on stage, and who knows, maybe if uh, if Sony went to this year's conference maybe they would have went on their stage i don't know um but it's definitely good on microsoft in terms of showmanship um to have stuff like this that fans get really excited for because that's kind of part of e3 it's it's being flashy and it's being you know it's really playing to the crowd and playing to your target audience so i thought that was a really good move on their part I mean, he's a great choice I mean, he's he's a subject of a lot of memes but in all seriousness he's really applauded to be a Kind of like a really nice guy, kind of lonely guy, uh, but just a genuine person. And, you know, I, think, I guess, uh, you know, the CD Project Red, you know, recognizes this. And so they decided to bring him in to do this game. Uh, this guy isn't even the best actor, but he's such a good person, and they know how popular he is. Uh, so it's kind of cool that they're, they're they uh, CD kind of pays attention to that stuff, so. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a really good move on uh, on both their parts, and uh, that I mean that honestly kind of set the tone for you know that conference. I feel like that's mainly what people were talking about at the end of Microsoft's conference—the fact that um, you know Reeves was there. So it's just cool, you know, in the trailer, you know, he's in the sunglasses. You're not really sure who it is yet. Oh he yeah, pulls it off. It's counter Reeves. Like, oh my god, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was that was definitely really cool. Um, and then of course you have uh, you know. Uh, Gears 5, which uh, I guess there was a trailer for that. Um, that was kind of where I kind of stepped out um, for a little bit, so I didn't get to see that trailer. Um, I heard that it, it you know, looks looks like Gears, so I guess that's good. Um, 
you know, I, I was never really a Gears person just because, you know, we didn't really have an Xbox. I mean, we have a 360, but we didn't really get it until, I guess, after the Xbox One came out. So we're not really big Xbox uh, players. So that was one of the games that I didn't really get a chance to uh, to look at. Um, and then besides that, you had, uh, which, you know, I'm sure you're really excited about this one, uh, Elden Ring. They showed that off. Yeah, which, my, only, my only hope is that it's not a Microsoft exclusive. It kind of scares me a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's going to be. I think that once – I feel like because they weren't having their own conference, you know, it wasn't worth it in terms of, you know, the cost of the venue and all that. They were just going to kind of bunk in with Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft was trying to get as many companies as possible to get on board with them. With their big Xbox lettering in the back of the stage, I guess. Okay, yeah, sense. and, you know – PlayStation, you know, Sony, they're taking the year off because they're planning their PlayStation 5 and they really don't have anything to show. I mean, what what's available for, uh, what's available for PlayStation 4 is going to be it. So they're going to be preparing next year for PlayStation 5. So this is a good opportunity for Microsoft to kind of, you know, get these third parties in here. So when you think of those games, you're thinking Xbox. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, what did, I mean, because you're, you're a big uh, From Software fan what did you think of uh you know this concept of having george r r martin you know kind of collaborate here and, and make this game well you know george martin well, i mean even uh miyazaki's a pretty good storyteller i mean his stories in his games are uh ridiculous but it's 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 almost like a dream these these two i guess you'd call them geniuses coming together and just happen to collaborate on 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 these games I've uh, really played quite a bit of this past year uh, so it, it's almost unbelievable that they would come together and make make a game like this and I imagine you know just like Sekiro it's not exactly like Souls or Bloodborne but there's a lot of similarities with it locking on the enemies uh, getting kind of being crappy at the game to start with and then getting better as the game goes on and uh, obviously you know Game of Thrones well, my favorite, probably favorite show of all time, uh, at least most of it anyway. Um, you know, penned by, you know, inspired by George R. Martin's books, uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Um, you know, I watched the trailer and it's just, oh God, it looks ridiculously cool. This, this, I guess this lady or this centurion, whatever you want to call her or call it, putting on this prosthetic arm kind of reminds me of Sekiro in a, in a bit, uh, a little bit. Uh, and hearing that clang of the hammer, very Lord of the Ringsy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just, you know, I, I don't think I've read the Silmarillion front to back, just just parts of it, what it entails. That's that's uh, kind of like a legendarium for J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, kind of the ancient world of Lord of the Rings. Shame he's not still still alive to collaborate. Yeah, that'd, that'd be uh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> Imagine all three of those on a game; it'd be unbelievable. Oh God. But uh, you know, I think uh. It was just just when that in the in the trailer when the guy's banging on the on the anvil, I guess he's either forging a ring, he's forging something. Uh, it just you know, just kind of just watching that reminds me of the Silmarillion, where I, guess, I think that's where they talk about how Sauron really learned how to. He got really good at making things out of out of metal, out of forge, forging things, you know, all the all the rings and so forth. Yeah, uh, he I think I think he made all of them, including the one ring. So. 
that, that's why obviously the title of the game is going to be Elden Ring. That's that's all I could think about. Uh, you know, the music and the sounds that are playing there is just really like, very striking. Like boom, boom, boom on the on the ring. It's just really, or whatever he was, or whatever that character was clanging there. So it was really striking. Uh, yeah. Very little was revealed about it, but. Uh, it's like I said, it's almost it's like a dream having these these two people who I really, really material I really, really like uh, coming together and make something that I'm sure will just be absolutely fantastic. Uh, that's definitely a game I'll be getting at launch. Uh, just so you know, even even the worst game in the series, Dark Souls Two, there's still some good things about it that he helped supervise. It's it's like you can't these guys can't do any wrong. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah, it seems like a you know match made in heaven for sure. Um, I was looking at like some of the features and uh, at Val Vados uh, on Twitter said that this is just some of the I guess include included features or um, things about the game. Uh, it says there's supposed to be more focus on RPG elements. Uh, development started after Dark Souls Three DLC. Uh, it's supposed to be a challenging game. I mean that's kind of goes in the territory. Uh, for him uh, character customization uh, George R. R. Martin uh, wrote the uh, overarching mythos for the world and it's supposed to be an open world uh, adventure which this, is going to be cool this would be Miyazaki's first open world adventure, as far as I know yeah yeah I mean that's that's going to be really really awesome um, and then at uh, munching orange said I've never wanted to buy something so bad just because of the names involved but this right. is a match made in heaven or hell. Either way, I'm hyped. Right, that's that's crazy. I didn't know they made it right after the DL the DLC for uh, Dark Souls Three, which is some of the most amazing gameplay ever. Uh, Madeir Gale, Gale etc. Uh, so I mean, just that level of quality, and to know that started right after that is is very inspiring. It's already exciting, but it's just mm. yeah, I agree with that guy who you just read. That from, uh, you know, Souls, Miyazaki, Martin, Game of Thrones. It's just good thing after good thing. Elden Ring sounds just like Lord of the Rings. Another just, you know, masterpiece of literature. Uh, yeah. Just just unbelievable. The, the expectations I have for that game are astronomical. Probably more than any video game ever. Yeah. Maybe other than Sonic Mania, but this is this is really taking things to a to a ne- to the next level. That's the thing. I mean, with, with these two working on it, it's like, how can this game not be amazing like that's that's pretty much the the common consensus like this is like penciled in or really just penned in as you know a masterpiece already before it's even you know anything shown about it right it's like the brady belichick uh just winning combination yeah uh, of uh of video game making so yeah can't wait yeah that is that's that's really awesome um the uh the next thing we're gonna have and this, this is the last thing um, it's kind of a combination. Um, I think people, some people are upset about this. Uh, Halo Infinite was was fully revealed now with a trailer. It looked awesome. Uh, they were on like this, uh, I guess, the ship that was attacked and its powers going down, uh, almost like uh, you know Endgame esque in the beginning. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> I probably should have said that first. I'm sure if you guys haven't seen that yet, you're living under a rock. Um, but it's kind of like it has like kind of that vibe to it where I guess this like, uh, you know, captain of the ship or maybe just the pilot of the ship is kind of stuck, can't really go anywhere. And then uh, basically he uh, hears like this 
uh, communication come across saying that I guess a, a suit was detected or something like that, or a life form was detected, and it turns out to be uh, Chief. And so he discovers Chief, and he basically hooks up all the rest of the power to the ship in order to, I guess, override the, uh, I guess, survival mode on Chief's uniform because or suit because he he was you know in critical condition, and he was able to restart him. And, you know, basically it ends with them getting attacked again and then Chief going out and facing the the bad people. Um, it looks awesome. Um, but people are a little bit upset about it because this is going to be a launch game for Microsoft's brand new console, which is being codenamed Project Scarlet. Um, so Project Scarlet is going to be their new console. It's coming out the holidays of 2020. And it's said to be, I think, like over four times stronger than the Xbox One X. And it's going to have like 120 frames per second for its games and a whole bunch of other crazy features. Um, but they didn't really show it off and they didn't really show any gameplay from it except for, I guess, that Halo trailer. So um, that was actually kind of a, a surprise for me because I thought that Microsoft was going to come in here and really focus heavily on the next generation because Sony's not here. I thought they'd want to kind of get, you know, a leg up in the race here, but apparently they, uh, you know, just kind of showed off that, that little teaser, you know, developer or, uh, you know, manufacturer, uh, interviews with some people. And that was pretty much it. So that was pretty much all we really know about it. So that was kind of disappointing to me, but I think all in all, though, I think Microsoft did a very good job uh, showing off a lot of games and getting the crowd hyped and having really great showmanship. You can definitely tell the difference between a uh, Phil Spencer run E3 um, as opposed to Don Matrick, who, you know, was really not very inspiring at all. So uh, it was, uh, I thought it was, it was really good. Um. But yeah, so those are those are the standouts for the Microsoft conference. Uh, this next one, though, is definitely my favorite. And that is Nintendo, the Nintendo Direct. So they included, they kind of hit a checkbox here. They included a Doug Bowser joke um, in relation to Bowser. I think everybody called that. I should have put that on my predictions last week, actually. Um, that should have been, you know, the top of my predictions list. But uh, I think Nintendo had a very strong Direct. I think this is probably one of their strongest ones uh, in recent years. And they started off the show with Luigi's Mansion 3, which I thought was um, very interesting. You know, the 3DS uh, Luigi's Mansion 2 was very good. Um, you know, great level design, uh, great in-game physics, which is really cool. Uh, really strong gameplay mechanics. Um, you know, of course, Luigi's signature. Hey! Uh, that everyone that you played online with would say. I hope they bring that back. It was just a, a cluster. Um, they also incorporated a new feature in this where it's uh, Gooigi. So you have like a like a goo clone, which apparently uh, Nintendo confirmed that Gooigi is made out of edible material. I don't know why people were curious about that. But oh, he can, so Luigi can eat him in the game? No, I don't think he can eat him. I, I think they were talking about, like, in real life, you would, would hypothetically be able to eat Gooigi. Okay. I, I, I don't yeah. understand that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know uh, why <laughs> that's a thing. 
Um, but you, uh, <laughs> that is really strange. I don't really know why they said that. Um, but you can go through like, you know, barred off areas. You, you can like, kind of like, you know, meld through those. Um, you can go through, um, like you can walk over spikes with Gooigi cause the spikes just kind of, you know, stick them and he doesn't get damaged. Um, you can, uh, just solve different puzzles that normal Luigi can't get to. But then they also showed that Gooigi and water don't mix. If he touches water, he dissolves, and that's that. So it has like some interesting gameplay mechanic there. Um, apparently, if you have a, um, if you split the Joy Cons, you know, into two, so one person has a Joy Con and the other one has the other, you can actually control both of them separate, um, which is kind of cool. So it has like a local multiplayer co-op type mode. Um, they did show off some more online features. Um, where it seems like they have like a couple different game modes, which actually look pretty fun. The the 3DS version of Luigi's Mansion didn't really work that well online, in my opinion. Um, this one looked like it was a little bit more refined, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, have you ever played any of the Luigi's Mansions? Never. Uh, only if you count Mario Kart Mario Kart DS when you play <laughs> Luigi's Mansion track. <laughs> I actually love that track. That was a good track. Yeah, music's good too. Yeah, had like all that mud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's all. Yeah, I remember the mud. Yep, very kind of slippery, and you had to like I guess there's things like rotating around the trees, and you couldn't hit them or something like that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah that was a really good track. Um, and then you have like you know the polter uh the polter gust or however you pronounce that. Yeah, that was the like the cart you drive in that game. Yeah, I I use that like all the time. So that was, that was really cool. Um, the fact that I guess they turned it into a, a vehicle. Yeah, a cart, yeah. Um, so I guess like he's, he has this new game. He has like new uh, attachments and stuff, and there's new features, and um, there's new like, you know, you can suck the ghost in and like smack him on the ground and stuff. So it looks really entertaining. Um, I just remember Luigi's Mansion on the 3DS, graphically speaking, might be the best-looking 3DS game. Um, it worked with 3D really, really well. The lighting was amazing. The detail, there's like, and I mentioned physics earlier. I mean, you could like, you know, blow your vacuum and, you know, things would kind of feel like that, uh, that breeze from it. So, um, it was, uh, it was really cool. Um, the, the next game I wanted to talk about though, was, uh, the Witcher 3. That was one of my predictions last week that it was going to be coming to Switch and despite uh, CD Projekt Red continuously denying that that was going to be something that happened, it actually is going to switch. Yeah, and all I've uh, paid attention to this past week, well, not the only thing I've paid attention to, I keep seeing these memes of, uh, <laughs> of what this is going to look like, just pixelated, a pixelated mess. Yeah, I've I've been seeing that too. Um, well, how crazy. is how is this going to work? How 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 the hell is this going to work? Well, apparently they released official screenshots of it, and it doesn't look bad. Um, uh, it's going to be running at 540p in handheld mode, and then some weird resolution in docked mode. Yeah. But it seems like, it seems like the game though is intact. Like there's some ridiculous screenshots going around that people I think went to like their PC and then like drew it in like paint or something. But it's uh, from what CD Projekt Red shared on Twitter earlier, um, it seems like you can definitely tell there's less detail, 
but it's not to the extent that, <laughs> that people are showing. You've spoken, you've you've talked about this in the past, where it would do like some type of dynamic, uh, you know, it would do the frame rate that it would it could handle. Yeah, like the dynamic resolution, so the textures will kind of adjust to uh, more crazy areas. In Rocket League, it adjusts to the point where I feel like the Rocket League wasn't really necessary for them to do that. Um, but in handheld mode, like there just won't be any textures like that. It's everything just goes like smooth. Um, I don't think that this is going to be the case for the Witcher. I honestly think it's going to look pretty decent. All right. You know, I have, you got uh, dark souls remastered for me. That, that game looks pretty good on the switch, but the sounds all compressed, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so, I mean, I enjoy playing on the switch, but the switch can't, Make that as good a game that came out 10 years ago or closing on 10 years ago. How are they going to do it with a game that came out four years ago? Yeah, uh, I, don't I, know. I have my doubts. I have my doubts of how it's going to look and how it's going to sound. Yeah, I think that's definitely kind of like a concern. Um, I'm not, I don't know who's developing this game. I don't know if it's Panic Button. I think that it actually might be a team at CD Projekt Red. And if that's the case, because I think that Dark Souls was actually outsourced. I'm um, not sure who did that. I'm not because it wasn't really the most optimized port. No, um, it really isn't. But I think it is fair. But you know, on PlayStation Four, and we're not just going to compare PlayStation Four and Xbox One X to Switch. They're just totally different pieces of hardware. Uh, on PS4, as I've been told, Dark Souls Remastered runs at 60 frames per second, and the sound doesn't. And the sound is much clearer. Yeah. Um. The uh, yeah. Oh, I just had another thought. The Witcher, that's going to be an interesting game with all those uh, sex scenes on the Switch. It, yeah, I know. set itself apart from it than, uh, you know, the humble uh, Mario Odyssey and other games like that, which are fairly innocent. So I, I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that is that is kind of... This might be the most uh, graphic game to come out for Switch uh, or come out for a Nintendo console, really. Uh, I can't really think of any others that... I'm sure, there's... Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of... Uh, games that would be rated M today uh, if they had come out today, like games in the 80s and 90s. That, oh, I'm sure. You know, did wind up on uh, Nintendo Nintendo consoles. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think in uh, modern history, this would be something that kind of is, is definitely... I mean, how many rated M games show up on the Switch? Not a not, ton. Probably not many. Yeah, not uh, a ton. You know, maybe this will open the door for, like, the GTAs and, uh, uh, you know, other games that are rated M to show up on the Switch. Yeah, I mean, I think overall... The fact that CD Projekt Red is bringing this over to Switch, I think it's honestly a really good sign that the Switch is doing very well. And, you know, they're, I mean, because obviously they're looking at numbers for Doom and, and other mature games that have been brought over to the Switch, like LA Noir, um, you know, which is a Rockstar game. So I think they're they're looking at the the sales data for that, and they're looking at how many switch units are out there, and you know I'm sure they're looking at all the attach rates and all that, and you know considering that the Wii U never really got any of the stuff. I mean the Wii U was really left out. It had a few of the old ports early on, um, but it never really got any third party support. The fact that you know you're seeing Bethesda, you know support it fairly regularly with their newest releases, and now CD Projekt Red is putting on one of their games. I mean, if the system has potential to sell it, I mean, they'll try to optimize these games best they can for the switch and put it on there. Um, so, you know, and it's also the switch is 
you know, pretty much known for having an easy architecture to work with, um, from what I've heard. So, you know, these games, as long as they are willing to put the time into to translate them down and to, you know, to compress them and, and make them, you know, run on the switch, uh, I feel like it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's kind of a good investment and it's also, it's kind of a different vibe too, because when, you know, the Wii U was getting those ports of games that were, you know, available for a long time on the other systems. You know, there's not really a lot of hype behind it. But now, because the Switch is a portable system, it almost forgives the fact that, you know, these games are older. Because it's like, well, now the whole appeal is you can play this on the go. You can play this wherever you want. So it kind of gives a little bit more life to the games and people that are so used to playing these games on just, you know, sitting down on their couch or, you know, desk chair playing these games, you can now take this wherever. If you're going on vacation, you can have your, you know, your Switch there. If you're going to like, uh, you know, a coffee shop or wherever, you can play these games portably for the first time. So I think it kind of just has that, you know, buffer built in where it's like, hey, I mean, this is cool because we've never been able to play it on the toilet. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I think it's really neat. So I think I think it you know, like you were saying earlier, I think that you know this could potentially um, cause some more third-party games to appear on the Switch because it's like okay, well this game, you know, it has a lot of suggestive things in it, and it still sold really well. So why wouldn't we want to bring our our games over here? I mean that's sales potential. Yeah, just the you know another group of people who have spent money on something that you typically didn't plan for that you can start working towards. Uh, just another, just more money in your pocket, really. Uh, if if games like these, uh, like The Witcher Three and Skyrim, etc., uh, do well on it, yeah. And I mean, I think this is good on uh, CD Projekt Red doing their due diligence and basically being like, hey, you know, we have this game pretty much on every other system. Why not explore the market on the Switch? And we might strike gold here. I mean, this might be a huge game. There's a lot of people that are Nintendo-only console owners. This could be their first experience with The Witcher. Yeah, maybe, you know, I wonder I wonder how it breaks up. Do you know, younger people have the Switch and maybe, like, later 20 people, later, later 20s people have Xbox, PlayStation 4. That's probably pretty hard to tell. But yeah, eight of these Switch users are, you know, finally growing up and they want to expand their horizons into games that uh, have more mature content. Uh It'll, it'll appeal to them, uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, it's definitely a possibility for sure. Um, now, we want to kind of <laughs> almost take a complete 360 here um, because this is kind of like the opposite of Witcher 3. Um, and that is Animal Crossing New Horizons. I don't know if you saw anything about that. Um, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I didn't really watch the trailer, but Animal Crossing doesn't interest me that much much but i know a lot of people who uh who have been you know this is we've talked about how uh people have been waiting for the uh final fantasy 7 remake people have been waiting a long time for an, a new animal crossing too their uh, animal crossing fans are fanatics about about animal crossing yeah uh so i don't really know too many details so this one's this one looks different <coughs> this one looks different than um you know the typical animal crossing uh formula because it looks like you start off with nothing. Like in the other games, you you know, you know started off as like a mayor. Or you started off as just a villager kind of moving in. This one, though, it looks like you're on a deserted island. You start off with a tent. And you basically have to build your own town. It's kind of like the, you know, the 
field of dreams or whatever. You know, you build it and then they, you know, arrive essentially. Um, so it looks like you're going to have to really build up your island before it starts having villagers on there and before you start having shops on there. So it's kind of takes a little bit of uh, some gameplay mechanics from like the survival type games. So you're going to have to craft things. You're going to have to, uh, you know, build up your, your garden and, and plant trees and, and, you know, I guess craft materials to build houses and all that. And I guess, you know, a lot of your supplies come from uh, Tom Nook. So that's kind of how he gets you into, you know, paying off things early on into the game. Um, it looks like it supports up to eight players online multiplayer. It looks like they're going to bring back some of the gameplay modes they had in uh, uh, New Leaf. <laughs> there's, so, there's so many different titles there. Uh, but Animal Crossing New Leaf. So it looks like you're going to have some of those come back, maybe some more game modes. Um, but the fact that you can bring eight people now into your town, or I guess into your island, um, is pretty neat. Um, it's uh, it just, I don't know, it kind of has like a different look to it. Uh, graphically, it looks amazing. Uh, very clean, uh, you know, typical Nintendo HD-ified games. Um, but it uh, it's definitely one that I'm, I'm really, really excited for. Because, I mean, I always get excited about Animal Crossing games when they come out. I think just playing them kind of brings back memories of uh, playing it on the DS all those Christmases ago, <laughs> whenever that was. I can't really remember. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it just looks like they're going to be doing something that kind of shakes up the formula a little bit, and I think it's honestly what it needed. Um, so I think a lot of people are really excited about that. There's a lot of weird fan art on Twitter right now, so I didn't even touch the uh, Animal Crossing uh, <laughs> tweeting community. I was like, uh-uh, I'm good. Um, but uh, definitely really, really cool, though, and I'm definitely excited for that to uh, to come out. Um, it also did get delayed, which people are kind of disappointed about. It was scheduled to come out in 2019, probably around the end of 2019. It's being pushed to March of 2020, so uh, it's a little bit disappointing, but you know, it kind of is what it is. I read a headline that said Nintendo pushed back the release date so they could give the people working on Animal Crossing uh, uh, make sure to support their work-life balance. Wow. So, yeah, it always sucks when a game is pushed back. It probably ultimately is better for the game in most cases, but uh, yeah, I think we need to remember that a lot of people you know, look at uh, Sakurai, right, for Smash Brothers. I mean, he's dedicated a lot of his life to these games, and sometimes he I think, he probably overdoes it. Oh, yeah, 60, definitely. 70, 80 hours a week. It's just work that is an amount of work that isn't healthy just to get a, a video game out. So I do, uh, you know, being kind of uh, the outside looking in here, I'm glad Nintendo is being is being supportive of their of their people. That, that are making this game. So definitely, definitely, uh, even if it was a game like Elden Ring or something for me, if I knew that it was being pushed back a couple months, uh, especially for the reason that it's, you know, given a break to the people making it, I'd absolutely support it. I can wait longer so this, these people live healthy lives. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Uh, I, uh, I didn't know that. I, I thought it was just kind of due to, you know, making the game the best it can be. But I guess, you know, in a way... In a kind of way that is, yeah. right? I mean, people are well-rested and get to go home and relax and, you know, come back at normal schedules as 
as as much Nintendo will allow them to, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it will benefit them. It's like building breaks at work. It makes you more focused. It'll make these people probably produce a better game as well as the extra time they have to work on it. Yeah, I think that that is uh, a really good move on their part. Because um, I feel like, yeah, there, there's been a lot of stories that have come up recently where people have said that their work-life balance has been completely out of whack developing games. And you mentioned Sakurai. I mean, he... <laughs> He, I mean, he like injures himself working on Smash Brothers. It's not healthy. Uh uh-uh. uh You got to, you got to be able to take some time off, uh, you know, it, and just not work yourself to death. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Animal Crossing is coming out March 2020. Really excited about that. I think most people are. Um, that have a Nintendo Switch, and uh, I guess we can talk about uh, No More Heroes Three. Which was a game that I really wanted, even though I never really played the uh, the first two. Um, so, but I always thought those were really interesting looking games. It was kind of one of uh, you know Wii's franchise that I think the first one eventually did go to Xbox 360 and PS3. But uh, No More Heroes 2: Desperate Struggle stayed on the Wii as an exclusive game, which I thought was uh, a really you know awesome move on their part. And I mentioned this in the Super Smash Bros. Um, I guess characters wish list episode that I did way back, um, and I basically said that I thought Travis Touchdown made perfect sense for Smash Brothers, and the reason why I I said that was because, you know, when all of the third parties pretty much abandoned Nintendo and they didn't want anything to do with the Wii, um, there was a few third parties that kind of you know, stood in there and tried to, you know, capture the audience and tried to, you know, utilize that massive user base that the Wii had. They were trying to test and see, you know, it, what the potential, you know, that was there. And No More Heroes was, uh, by Suda51, was one of those games that really stuck in there, you know, along with Red Steel 2, along with The Conduit, um, you know, all those, you know, really, I guess, uh, like niche third-party games uh, for a Nintendo system at the time. And I always thought that to repay Suda51 for not leaving and for trying their best to make a really quality third-party game, I always thought that it would be awesome if Nintendo included uh, Travis Touchdown because it's a different situation than Bayonetta. But I think Travis Touchdown would really help the... It would really kind of add like an, an extra little flair to the uh, roster of Smash Bros because he's from a very mature game too. I mean, there's some pretty inappropriate stuff in the no more heroes games. Um, but they, they recently released that Travis strikes again game and it was awful. Like it was terrible. It was a whole bunch of like really crappy mini games and nobody really, I don't think really cared for that game, but they said if that game did, you know, decent, they'd consider doing no more heroes three. And sure enough, this is one of the games that they showed off. It didn't really show off any gameplay, but of course he has his uh, beam sword again, and you know he has like his crazy dialogue and all that. Very stylish game. Um, so I, I I'm actually really looking forward to that. I contemplated getting the No More Heroes games on the Wii um, and trying them out, but I'm not sure if I'll do that or not. But this is a game I think I would definitely be interested in. Um, do you remember the No More Heroes games at all? I yeah, I just really heard about it the first time when the third one was announced at E3. I didn't even know there were one and two. I never realized they existed before. Okay. 
Yeah, because I mean, I, I've heard some really great things about them. Um, I think that they really kind of got hurt from the lack of the stronger hardware during the Wii era. So I think now that they kind of have like, you know, you know, they're, they're at least able to go to HD. <laughs> now that they can do that, I think it's going to really help the game a lot. So um, I'm still kind of uh, pulling for him to get into Smash Brothers at some point. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of Smash Brothers, uh, what did you think of the new Smash Brothers characters? I think Banjo-Kazooie was a fairly obvious choice, you know, that, that ranks up there. You know, his game on the N64 ranks up there with uh, Super Mario 64 in terms of just solid 3D platformer. Uh, so it's actually kind of odd that he wasn't in there already. So uh, the other guys, I don't really know what are the Hero Quest folks. Uh, it's from uh, Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest, sorry. Uh, yeah, so I don't really... I think that may be more popular in Japan, I think. Yeah, I think so. I never even heard of these guys. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, you know, great, super. Uh, I'm still rooting for uh, Solaire to get in there. Yeah. Uh, other people went want, like, Geno and Master Chief. more I think about it, how the hell has he not been put in this game yet? He's a, I agree. He's a gaming icon. Probably one of the few that really, uh, sh really, really popular characters that have not been invited into that game yet. Uh, so Banjo-Kazooie is interesting. Uh, uh, definitely a good choice based on just uh, even that one really solid game of his. I think other, other iterations, just because the game's, game, you know, Sonic's got a lot of bad games too, yet he was in there for Brawl, absolutely no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, Master Chief should be thrown in there too, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, pretty uh, safe choices, I think. Uh, doesn't really, They don't really surprise me. Uh, obviously, you know, this Dragon Quest thing, I, I have no idea what that is, but uh, Banjo-Kazooie makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was a good announcement. Did you see the trailer for it, how it dressed up the Duck Hunt dog to yes. make it look like? Yeah, and I think that was similar to when they revealed King K. Rule, where... You know, Diddy and Donkey are just like loafing around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they look out the window and it's like King K. Rule. And then they do the, uh, you know, the silhouette of Banjo <laughs> and Kazooie and uh, it's just Duck Hunt. And then, you know, they, he like gets killed or something. And then yeah. Banjo Kazooie shows up. And I like how the animation between, they're all like hanging out, right? Diddy and Donkey and uh, King K. Rule. And they're all like getting happy and stuff when they're oh, yeah. out of the window and like, King K. Rool's like pressing against Donkey Kong's head. I think that's a nice touch. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't mind seeing those guys for uh, other character reveals, too. They, they make things entertaining. So, yeah, they did, a good, they did a good job of that. They gave it a lot of presentation. Yeah, I thought that was really cool, the way that they uh, kind of collaborated collaborated them in there and, um, you know, utilized them. Very fun. I mean, it's just – that was one thing I really liked about the conference. It was very fun. Um, the Banjo-Kazooie inclusion is actually very interesting because this is something that was talked about um, even Phil Spencer, because Rareware is owned by Microsoft. Uh, that was, you know, Microsoft acquired them uh, basically away from Nintendo, like way back when, and basically quarantined them to making Kinect games. Um, and that was why a lot of their, their team kind of deteriorated throughout the years. So Nintendo got permission from Microsoft and Rare to include that in, the, in Smash Brothers. And apparently Phil Spencer even said, this is like, you know, years ago, um, he'd be completely cool with, uh, banjo being in there 
So a lot of people think because this is kind of, I guess, Microsoft's representation in the in the game that it's, uh, I guess, Master Chief isn't really likely to happen now. Hmm. But I mean, personally, I think they can't having, work something out. I mean, yeah. How I, many shooters are there? Uh, you know, Metroid and uh, what? Well, yes, yeah, Metroid, Samus and Dark Samus. Uh, who else? Uh, yeah, I mean, they don't need more swords, people. Yeah, you know, I am a Solaire or someone from Dark Souls in the game. Yeah. Uh, I just if you want everyone in there, you gotta you gotta wrap it up with the most iconic character who's not in there yet. Yeah, I mean, I I wish that that would happen, um, because I mean that was one of the characters I put in my wish list in the Smash Bros. Um, wish list podcast that I did. Um. I just think that it would just be ultra cool to have just representatives from everybody in there. I mean, everyone can enjoy it. Um, I don't know. I just, I wish that that would be the case. Um, I don't know if they'd be able to get somebody from Sony. Uh, I feel like that'd be highly unlikely. I don't even know who they would get, but um, it would, it would definitely be really awesome if that were the case. Um, So I guess we, uh, I guess we only have uh, one more game to really talk about, um, and this is the first time I'm going to curse, really, in this uh, this podcast. Breath of the fucking Wild 2. Holy shit. <laughs> this, was, this was an announcement that uh, I was not expecting, but it was one that I said that in... You know, in an alternate universe, I wish that this would occur. This would be the ideal thing to happen. You know, I didn't get my, you know, Animal Crossing Nintendo Dogs crossover that I wanted. But you know what? I got Breath of the Wild 2. Like, holy crap. Like, that to me. And now, I'm, I'm biased with Nintendo here. Because, you know, Nintendo, I just feel like they're always most interesting to me whenever I see their announcements. Breath of the Wild 2, though? Like, holy shit. I had no idea. Uh, to me, I, I need to play the first one in preparation for this i probably probably have i probably still have a couple of years to do it because i don't think they gave us a release date and it's certainly not in 2020 uh i'm not sure if you've heard anything different but uh yeah people are losing their minds over this i think rightfully so as popular as the first one is so i definitely have to uh knock that out to get ready for this new sequel coming up now the thing with this game i think they're gonna i think they're gonna majora's mask it I think that this game is going to come out at the end of next year. And I think the reason for that is because they already have all of the, the things in place. They're going to utilize the same world. I think they're going to warp it. So it's going to be crazy. And from a report on a, Ninten- <clears throat> a Nintendo Wire, let me pull that up. Um, a report on Nintendo Wire said that this game is... Uh, actually inspired by the younger developers on the uh, the Zelda team that were playing Red Dead Redemption 2, which I think is pretty interesting. And Anuma, who is like the, I guess, the director of the game, um, he said the game will be a little darker than Majora's Mask. A little darker than Majora's Mask. So I think that they pretty much have everything in place, and it seems like this is just going to be like a really dark, twisted style of game a lot of people are speculating that Zelda is going to be playable which I guess fans have really wanted that for years because in the trailer it looks like 
basically, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but I mean, you kind of know what happens at the end of every Zelda game. I mean, Link wins, essentially. Right. It looks like they're underneath the castle. And the castle is in the in Breath of the Wild, the castle is super elaborate. It's like the coolest area in the game. Like it's awesome. This looks like it's underground underneath the castle, and it seems like there is there's like a corpse and there's like a hand that I guess is either sucking power out of the corpse. And it appears that when it senses Link, it attaches to Link for Link to take the corpse's place. And the corpse uh like resurrects so it seems like you might have to play a zelda to save link this time around i don't know if that's really the case because it was such a small snippet apparently if you reverse the music in the trailer uh it plays like a it plays something uh it's some kind of chanting or something um and it kind of reveals maybe like a message or a similar or like a familiar tune but uh it's uh it's it was a really creepy uh trailer and just like combined with the Breath of the Wild art style, it's like I just can't believe that they did this. But it makes all the sense in the world. Like it almost makes too much sense for them to do this. Like because they already have like a really well established game. But it's like I don't know. This this completely blew me away. Uh, I guess uh, we just got to prepare ourselves for the uh, greatest game of all time coming up. It sounds like I am all for darker styled Zeldas. Twilight Princess is my favorite. I think closely followed by Majora's Mask and then probably Ocarina of Time, I guess, after that. I'm not sure. Uh, all those have very, very dark and creepy aspects to them, uh, especially some of the stuff in Ocarina of Time when you go beneath the well and the uh, I forget what the shadow world is called. Um, and, of course, Majora's Mask, where if you don't, say uh beat the game so to speak within that three-day period everyone dies it's interesting to see that someone would actually call it darker than majora's mask there's a lot of disturbing stuff in that game yeah even the way it looks and not just based on the graphic limitations of the n64 it is a creepy looking game with uh all sorts of creepy music and creepy characters uh especially when you get later on at the game too so that's interesting uh definitely support uh That'd be kind of wild, right, playing a Zelda. Um, but yeah. definitely, you know, I trust that Zelda being one of the greatest franchises of all time. I definitely, and the people behind it, some of the most talented people of all time, definitely trust them to do whatever they want to do with the game. Uh, yeah, definitely, it's good to hear that they want to move to a more dark setting and creepy setting. That's uh, just more engaging. It does call back to the earliest of the... 3D Zeldas, where uh, just very some very uh, odd stuff in there. Hyrule's bloody history, as Ocarina of Time calls it, when you're uh, in the shadow level. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, so that's that's great. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't even played the first one, just because I have so much confidence in the people behind this franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I am... This, honestly, um, I'm thinking about all the games I've ever been hyped for. This definitely takes the number one spot bar none it's the first legend of, like the first breath of the wild game was incredible like it was everything i wanted in a zelda game anything i wanted in a video game and it was uh man it was it was just freaking amazing <laughs> like it was 
the best way to like you know the best way to um kick off the switch's uh life and it uh man i just i spent I, like i think I, I spent like 30 hours just exploring before ever ever going into my first dungeon in that game and just like the countless you know trips that i i took and and walks that i i took throughout the you know the the story and the and the game like long after i beat the dungeons i was still exploring and finding like little hidden shrines and all the the awesome uh you know sites that you get to climb up to it was just it, there's something really special about that game and the fact that now you're going to i guess go back to that same setting but now seeing all of the crazy stuff that appears like you know it's going to happen uh, it looks like the castle collapses in the trailer or it's or it's on the verge of collapsing into the ground it, it just it, it looks incredible uh, i'm i'm just I honestly, I don't, I never really expected this to happen, but the fact that it has happened just completely blows my mind. It's, I'm just, I'm incredibly excited about it. It's, it's awesome. Um, but that pretty much wraps up Nintendo's and, and what a freaking way to end it for them. Um, just dropping a, a bombshell that I don't think anybody really predicted heading in there. So, except for me, but that was, <laughs> that was more of a, a joke prediction, but uh, I guess all jokes have a little bit of truth to them. Yeah, little did you know. Yeah. Yeah. More truth than you realized. <laughs> so, um, I guess uh, did did any of your E3 predictions come true from last week? Uh, I think the only one that came true for me was the, you know, what I refer to as the Game of Thrones game. Yeah. Uh, so that did definitely come to fruition. Uh, just with a different name, but definitely still the. Uh, you know the people behind it so that's really the only thing uh no um super mario odyssey i feel like that'd be way easier to make than another zelda game but you know here we are yeah and uh yeah that's really it um uh i think i actually may have said bloodborne 2 i'm not sure if that was last week or the week before um they all merge after a while they they do <laughs> uh there was no simpsons hit and run that was disappointing yeah i mean it's disappointing but uh you know it's not necessarily yeah what was with the whole um you know simpsons being at the conference Did that really pan out to be anything or did they just live nearby what the hell yeah so uh i wouldn't uh you know close the book on that possibility i just kind of odd that that has not gotten uh a remaster yet but i'm sure it's going to happen at some, at some point, point. probably it probably will be in between e3s if you ask me but we'll see yeah yeah that, i think that will be something eventually yeah so it's really all predicted so we didn't get to see elden ring but that's it okay i guess the the only two that really i'm really going to count because i said animal crossing but everyone knew animal crossing was going to be there um so really the only two that i predicted was the witcher 3 and I'm gonna still consider. I'm still gonna count my my Breath of the Wild too. Uh, I guess wish list uh, suggestion there. I think that kind of influenced Nintendo a little bit. Um, so I'm gonna count that one. Um, now, what was your favorite announcement? It was Elden Ring. Yeah, uh, yeah. Told you as much as I can about it. Uh, just. You know, even you know, there's a good chance that I'll still be playing those games on and off even before that comes out. If it's a year, year and a half from now, two years from now, uh, just yeah, uh, just like how the sequel to Breath of the Wild is is blowing your mind. The combination of these two people, who are more or less just masters of their craft, coming together and 
putting something very special together is definitely enticing. So that's definitely my my most favorite announcement. Yeah. Uh, now my biggest surprise, you know, what I just um, trouble believing for a little bit. I, we commented this before on previous podcasts is what Pokemon's doing with their short and uh, sword and shield games. The first main series games to show up on a console is that uh, for right now anyway, Sword and Shield do not have most of the Pokemon coded into the cartridge. You can only transfer Pokemon in and catch Pokemon that are in the Galar uh, National, uh, sorry, regional decks. There is no National Pokedex. A National Pokedex is uh, is all the Pokemon. Uh, this is horrendously disappointing. I have praised again and again and again Super Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. I will continue to praise it as it is the game where you do not need a single bit of DLC to essentially control any Pokemon you want as long as you play through the game. It is a work of art. It is what Pokemon is supposed to be. You know, you can say what you want about having to own both versions or all three versions for older generations to get all the Pokemon, but for the Pokemon not even to exist in the game, the large majority of them, is an absolute disgrace, a step backwards. Uh, Pokemon has uh, not really been... Yeah, all right, I haven't played Generation 7 or 6. I can only go by what I read. Fact is that Generation 5 is where Pokemon probably was at its best, definitely in terms of story. And uh, just some of the more popular things that they had added uh, moved away, like Mega Evolutions and so forth. I can live with all the gimmicks coming and going, but you know the best uh, Pokemon experience I ever had was with I, when I downloaded that Rama Crystal where you can catch all 251 Pokemon. You know, I want that ability somehow, one way or another, even though I'm not really a big Pokemon player, I like that I have the ability to complete a game. Uh, why have uh, 700, 800, 900 Pokemon if you can't catch them all? I mean, the slogan of the company is "gotta <laughs> catch them all," and now you not only is it it was a hard it was a hard task to do anyway. Obviously, with more and more Pokemon, it's hard to do. Yeah, but now it's not. They're not even in the game. They are not in the game. They are not part of the game's code. Uh, Pokemon that are already in there, uh, Pokemon from previous generations that are in the regional decks will just have animations from earlier generations. Nothing new for uh, Generation uh, 8. Obviously, new Pokemon that are just being created for these games will have. uh, This Dynamaxing thing is just completely, uh, you know, okay, it may be fun, it may not be. It's just boring. It's just a larger version. They didn't have to do any extra design or whatever. This made a bigger sprite. It's just it's just so bland and empty. And I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just I wasn't. I talked about this last week. I wasn't super into getting it anyway. I just don't find Pokemon appealing with turn-based action uh, anymore. Uh, if another Super Super Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, which is uh, you know, like a Super Mystery Dungeon 2, I definitely would get that just because those games are challenging. And the way it worked was not only when you, you can pick any one Pokemon you would capture so far, and everyone you had already captured would level up as the Pokemon you're controlling is. It is literally literally perfection. Uh, and now we have this this mess they have. 
Uh, a term people have been using is Dexit. You know, Galar is based off of the United Kingdom, you know, England, <laughs> right? You know, Brexit, the whole thing about uh, the UK leaving the European Union. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing about this National <laughs> Dex leaving the Pokemon games, Dexit instead of Brexit. Uh, yeah, and which I it's, which I completely understand. I mean, people are, are pissed off about this, and they should be. It's just, why make a game so... I don't buy into the balancing of the game. I mean, you've created hundreds of these of these Pokemon yeah. just for a long, long time. It's people play PVE, and this is why you don't have any Battlefront tier. I mean, the list of complaints goes on and on. The challenge <laughs> is the Battlefront tier, and they don't have that in there either. Train your favorite Pokemon, strategizing that way. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. You have options. You have options. Choose anyone you want to to fight. I mean, you create put all this effort over the years to these delightful designs, and most of them aren't even there. It's just it's just unbelievable. That's just uh, I, it is a surprise. Uh, but I I know that this has been kind of happening for a while, where these games have just kind of fallen off. So uh, biggest disappointment, really. Yeah, I think that is disappointing. I mean, I'm still probably going to get it. I, I told you that earlier. Um, just because you know, I want to experience the the next generation uh, on the Switch. You know, I got X and Y. It was the first 3DS Pokemon game. Uh, I just you know, I want to I want to see what's there. I want to see um, you know the changes that they've made to the the mainline series. Um, you know, I'm I'm hoping that they fix that. You know, through updates, not paid DLC, but just updates. I hope they you know give you Pokédex expansions. I mean, in a in an ideal world you'd be able to go to all the, the regions. I mean, I wish that would be, you know, an option and I wish they would bring back the regions, you know, more of like an open world kind of uh, style. Um, not so much linear, like the, you know, the previous, uh, the games were, where you're kind of just, you know, stuck on like a pretty much a set path and that's, that's where, how you go. So, I mean, I hope that they do something. Uh, they obviously are not going to do the, the region thing, but, I hope they, uh, you know, at least expand the Pokédex um, as the months go by and, you know, have like, you know, some kind of expansion there because, you know, I feel like Pokémon, a, a big part of it is the familiarity you have with, you know, your Pokémon partners. I think it's a good idea to encourage people to try out the new Pokémon. Sure. Uh, but, I mean, what is Pokémon without its nostalgia? I know. Absolutely. Everyone who plays these games picked up Generation 1 and Generation 2 when they were little kids and yeah. they played based on those experiences since those days. I guess. I mean, I don't have data on that, but that's how I am. You know, I, the only reason I would ever pick up cartridges is the good experiences I have with Pokemon Gold and then Pokemon Emerald and then Pokemon Pearl and uh, Platinum and so on. Yeah. Uh, and then fell off when it just didn't do anything for me anymore. Uh, so, yeah, it, What's frustrating about this is that if no one says a word, I don't think Game Freak will do anything to make this game better, including adding the Pokemon through updates yeah, or DLC, which I think in and of itself is another just appalling decision. We'll put some in there and make you pay for the other ones. Outrageous. Just, just completely outrageous. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would... Uh, it's going to take, and there is a lot of this right now, pressure from consumers to make this game the way they want it. This These Pokemon games should be complete experiences. Or, all right, I can settle for you need two cartridges to have a complete experience. Fine. 
Uh, yeah, I would take that at this point. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, we'll we'll meet you halfway there. My, yeah, literally. I, I already explained to you what my ideal Pokemon game is. Yeah. Um, but this is, uh, yeah, you got you gotta give us more. You gotta give us more. It's a video game. Give us it. Give give it all. Give it to us all. I mean, I sometimes wish there's, uh, well, all right, that's what I'm thinking. I was gonna say I wish there's more Bloodborne, but that's not really relevant here. Uh, video games are a great opportunity to just keep throwing things in there. Uh, I don't buy balance. Uh, Pokemon is not about balance. It's about collecting your favorite Pokemon you essentially grew up with. Yeah. It's not 40 year old people playing these games, I don't think. And that's okay if you are. Um, they need to be, you know, I think it's really special to see the Pokemon that were, you know, just on those 8 bit cartridges and on the very simplistic Game Boy Advance cartridges and you show them on screens that they make make them look better and better. These Pokemon look better and better for you to battle your friends with or even just play single player with. Yeah. And not give you that opportunity on the first console game for the main series is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. I mean, part of me thinks that, you know, you're going to have multiple Pokemon games throughout this generation. I think the Switch is going to last a long time. And part of me thinks that they'll that these games aren't going to have an expansive deck, but the next game, which I'm assuming is going to be a diamond and pearl, uh, I guess a diamond and pearl remake, right? That's kind of what's next in line. It's a long overdue diamond and pearl remake. Yeah. I'm assuming that you'll be able to bring these Pokemon to that game because it's on, I guess the switch generation and they already have everything ready to go. Um, it's just a shame though, but then, but oddly enough though, diamond and pearl, had an expand had an expanded Pokédex because it had to accommodate for those Pokémon coming over. So, I'm assuming that that's kind of where this is going to be. Uh, I'm not sure if Diamond and Pearl could trade between Soul Silver and Hearth Gold. Sure, they could. Yeah, that was all Generation Four. So then, I'm assuming then that that Diamond and Pearl would kind of be when that Pokédex opens if they don't expand it on this, which is kind of crappy. Um, you yeah. would think that the most recent Pokémon game would be able to accommodate all the Pokémon. Yeah, you'd think. So it's uh, that's kind of a tough situation. Um, you know, I'm I don't care about it like to the extreme. But it is something that bothers me, and it's something where I feel like these games were in development for such a long time, and you already have like existing, you know, codes for these games because you just had the Let's Go games. Why couldn't you bring those Pokemon over to this game? And why couldn't you bring? I don't know. I part of me thinks that the reason why they're doing it this way is so you buy other games to play with those Pokemon. Like I think what's going to happen is after this game, Diamond and Pearl is going to come out. And then after, you know, uh, actually before that comes out, I think you'll see another Let's Go series and it's going to be in the Johto region. I think from now on their remakes, um, after they get through like all of them, they're going to be released as more like casual uh, versions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it's just, it's disappointing because you want a mainline series game to accommodate all of your, your Pokemon needs and like you said, part of the special thing about Pokemon is seeing these older, you know, Pokemon come back and they're in HD and to not have them in there, I think is a big missed opportunity on their part. 
and it makes uh, you know the fans obviously very upset. You know, some some are okay with it, but I think video games should be stretch you know break boundaries. It's a video game. Is there a better creative media than a video game? A cartoon that came to life, right? So, uh, Pokemon, man. I mean, you got to have options when you play it. That's what's so good about it. You have so many choices. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of redundancy in Pokemon. Some people, some Pokemon do the same thing as others, but they look different. I mean, you got to have them all available to you, one way or another. Uh, if it takes multiple generations of uh, bringing them up, yeah, so be it. You have that option. Uh, to just cut that out entirely, uh, it's just inexcusable. Yeah, I think it's a bit short-sighted, and I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm not really sure why they decided. I'm assuming that it, it is a lot of work to put them in there, but, I mean, you have this massively powerful console that is more powerful than any other any other Nintendo system that's come out. And, you know, I don't know how the monies are split up between Nintendo and Game Freak, but... Uh, I'm pretty sure this franchise is the most uh, famous, at least video game franchise ever. Yeah, they got to have the time and people to to make these games as best as they possibly can be. I just yeah. don't buy that uh, anything else. Yeah, I mean personally, I think it's almost like uh, they're rushing it out, um, which is a shame. Uh, I feel like it's just going to be. I mean, I, like I said, I hope that there's you know, a game update that can solve this, you know, maybe like a day one patch that they can put in there where it'll update your Pokedex and everything becomes, you know, open and you're not blocked off as to what you can get. But I just think, you know, can you imagine completing your entire Pokedex? I mean, that'd be awesome. If you were able to find every single Pokemon that ever existed and you had a Pokedex of it, that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, most people will not do that. Even... The people complaining, most of them will, will never be able to complete a Pokédex. Never would never want to complete a Pokédex. But uh, it's your it's about your favorite Pokemon. Most people's favorite Pokemon are probably not amongst the new ones. Probably they not. never play with the new ones. They want their Pokemon that they're used to. Ultimately, play probably with a mix of Pokemon they've had in parties they've played with in the past and the new new style. That's probably what I would do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and now you won't get that chance. Uh, it's really whoever's in the regional decks is is what you have to use, and that's it. Yeah, it's it's just a shame, honestly. Um, but I mean, hopefully something changes. You know, we have seen backlash cause you know changes to happen. You know, that's why it's so important to say stuff. If like if you if you're really against something, there's a good chance that there's like-minded people out there that agree. And you know, if you can put some pressure on them. Maybe something can change. Yeah, you don't want to be rude to the makers. You don't want to harass them. You don't want to threaten them. Nothing like that. After all, these are just video games. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as consumers, we can demand, I think, uh, politely but firmly, the best products that bring us the most happiness. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that's a bit naive, but uh, we can do it in a respectful manner respectful manner too yeah just give him a little nudge just be like come on game freak yeah, a lot of a lot of nudge can uh move a lot of distance yep um 
man, I, I didn't really put a ton of thought into what my biggest surprise was besides obviously, uh, you know, Zelda being announced. I mean, that, like I said, blew my mind. Um, but because I already talked about that, I guess I'll pick something else. Um, I guess one of my biggest surprises was one of the games that I predicted to go to Switch that didn't. And it's kind of disappointing to me. Uh, Persona 5 did not show up on the Switch, which I thought that was almost a guarantee because Joker's in Smash Bros. So that kind of made me a little upset because I don't want to play that game on PlayStation because I feel like games like Persona, turn-based style games, work better on a handheld. Yeah, I can see that. So I want to play it on a handheld. Like Persona 4 Golden was great on Vita. Just works. I mean, it's a great combination. You can, you know, put it, you can suspend it into sleep mode and all the other stuff and pick it up. It just, I don't know. I feel like for those kinds of games, it just works better. So I was disappointed about that. And I was really surprised about Microsoft not going heavy into its next generation plans. It kind of just said, you know, Project Scarlet and, you know, all these things that it can do, no more load screens, you know, more fluidity in gameplay, uh, 120 frames per second. But I thought this was going to be the coming out party for uh, the next box, um, and it wasn't. Like, you would think a year where Sony didn't show up, you would think that, you know, this was their chance to kind of jump out ahead. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, Microsoft's not competing with Sony, they're competing with Google. That's just not true. I mean, they're competing with with every console manufacturer that's out there. And uh, <clears throat> and the fact that they didn't use this opportunity to kind of be like, hey, this is our new system. Here's a whole bunch of new games that are going to be coming out for it. You know, I think that was kind of a missed opportunity on their part. But at the same time, it, it's almost like Sony kind of got in their head a little bit. It's like, why does Microsoft want to reveal all of their secrets when Sony still has time to change the PlayStation 5 around based on what Microsoft does. That's a really great point. Uh, like you were saying, the hardware, uh, you know, maybe PlayStation can kind of do more than what Microsoft has already revealed, that 120 frames per second. Yeah. Uh, what's the figure you used earlier? Like 4,000 times more powerful than the Xbox One X I think it's, like I think it's like four. Okay. I think so. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, PlayStation... Uh, you know, knows this now, and maybe they can make adjustments in the next year to uh, make their PlayStation 5 even better based on what Microsoft said. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, that's like when Xbox One and PlayStation were kind of revealed. PlayStation had a plan A and a plan B. I think this is pretty much well known, and I'm pretty sure this is 100% accurate. Based on what Microsoft's reaction was during their press conference, Sony was going to do the exact opposite. They were going to cross off plan A and go with plan B. Microsoft brought up all that DRM nonsense where, you know, you can't play used games and you can't share games and all that other stuff. Sony was going to do the exact same thing. But because Microsoft was basically their their lab rat, Sony came out and was like, they were actually bashing Microsoft. You know, they're just like, oh, that's, you know, ridiculous. Like, why would, why would you be able to do that? This is how we share games and they would hand each other games and whatnot. And they came out and they smoked Microsoft because they had they had an example of what not to do. So, you know, if Microsoft went out in there and they didn't get negative backlash, Sony was going to come in there and do the exact same thing. Um, and Microsoft, maybe it was smart on their part to not give away any details because now at this point, 
the new Xbox can be fully, like fully revealed at any point in time, along with the PlayStation 5. And it might be kind of like a, a Cold War in a way as to who's going to drop their game first. Um, but it's just really interesting because the whole Wii U failing has kind of put Nintendo in a very different situation where they essentially still have a pretty brand new console out there, but it kind of already went through a normal console's growing pains where it had a great year number one, kind of a slower year number two, but its slow year still brings you Smash Bros, which is pretty darn good. I mean, that's a great game to have. So now Nintendo's kind of hitting their stride with the Switch. This is kind of where the Switch now is going to be accumulating games, and they have games for years down the line, like Metroid Prime 4, which was restarted and now is being um, developed by Retro Studios. So it's just, it's a really interesting dynamic because you have two companies that are kind of now in their baby stages with their new consoles. Uh, Sony's going to reveal information any day. Microsoft's going to reveal new information any day. And then you just have a console that's pretty much going to be here for the long haul. Um, so it's, it's just, it's very interesting. Um, but I was really surprised that Microsoft didn't do more um, to kind of show off their next-gen system. But, I mean, that's pretty much all I have for that. Yeah, you know, what's probably going to happen is, you know, things will get leaked and we'll learn more about it as uh, time goes on. But what's probably going to happen is these consoles get revealed more officially at next year's E3, I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, at Press Star. Kofi said the Xbox Scarlet revealed literally or reveal. I think he meant reveal. Uh, literally made no noise. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the other announcements surrounding E3, but I see no one talking about it. Not even the Xbox guys. PlayStation simple blog post made much more noise. No shade, just an observation. And I completely agree. People are not talking really about. The Project Scarlet. They're talking about uh, Keanu Reeves being on stage. So it's just odd that Microsoft comes out with their next generation console announcement and it's not really making a whole bunch of uh, noise out there. Uh, you know, I don't think that that's, it's not, I don't think this is going to translate the poor sales for Xbox. Uh, they've just got other things to talk about right now. The hype will grow as, as time goes on. I mean, it's still a year and a half out before it's available. Yeah. Uh, you know, more details will pour out. It's not like Microsoft's going to lose its fan base or consumer base just because of there's just more popular things that are coming up sooner than this. Yeah. Um, and it also seems that, um, I guess, what, like the Xbox One X and the Xbox One. And the Xbox, like the Project Scarlet, are going to still have cross-platform play. So if one of your new friends gets the Xbox you know, Scarlet or whatever it ends up being, maybe it'll be the 720, who knows. But if they get that, you can actually still continue to play games with them because they will retain their Xbox library, which I think is really cool. It'll just be seamlessly connecting. Um, so that's awesome. I hope PlayStation does something similar, which I'm sure they will. Because um, that is a feature that um, Microsoft, uh, really, I think, uh, game library retention um, is a thing on Xbox One, Xbox 360. But now they're going a step further with cross-platform play um, because part of their uh, reasoning here is they don't want the device you're using to uh, separate you from being able to play with your friends, which I think is a really awesome approach on their part. Um, 
but I think once people see the box, I think that's when people will get excited. Once they see that, you know, brand new Xbox, what what it looks like, the controller. Right. Yeah. That's when the hype kind of comes in. Yeah. You can actually imagine yourself playing it when you have the hardware in your hands, when you have it, you know, show up on a table, how big it looks, all that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's that was similar to, like, the Switch. When the Switch was revealed, uh, like, its, you know, code name was revealed it was just the NX, and I'm pretty sure it was from Iwata at a uh, like investors meeting. So it wasn't even like an elaborate thing. I mean, announcing a code name for your console doesn't really do a whole lot. I mean, they did they did label some of the features. You know, they went over that, but like I, you know, like we just said, I mean, until you see the box, until until you see the controller, and you know, just them showing off the console and the perfect lighting. I mean, that's that's just. You know, that's when the hype kind of grows. So uh, I think that's kind of why it got washed off, just because it, it's not really – it wasn't really a bombshell announcement. We knew something was going to be talked about there. Um, but I think that was kind of, uh, you know, why it wasn't as big as people were kind of expecting it to be. But um, overall, though, I thought that this year's E3 was pretty good. Uh, I heard it was a lot smaller. Than it was in the past. Uh, Phil Spencer, uh, Xbox, the Xbox man, uh, came out and said that he uh, thinks that E3 is better with Sony there, which I thought was uh, a really nice thing for him to say. And I think it's completely true. So hopefully Sony will come back next year um, with their uh, PlayStation 5. But um, yeah, I don't know about you, but I- I'm-, I'm pretty much all out of gas here. <laughs> I like that uh, the comment he made. He, uh, you know, just with Sony there, there's more people there, I, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, more people there for Sony, he should at some point have more eyes on his stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of people with more than one console. Oh, so, yeah. So, yeah, I I, uh, I like that he shared that sentiment. He, he's, it's not just being nice like uh, like a Macy's and uh, Gimbal's thing from uh, <laughs> uh, Miracle on 34th Street. There actually is some business sense that too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I like, I like that you end it with that on a, on a good collaborative note. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you guys can find this podcast on your favorite uh, podcast service or podcast app. I don't know the correct terminology there. Um, but you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, uh, I'm probably missing one. Uh, Stitcher Radio. There you go. Um, you guys can find it there. Leave five star reviews on Apple Podcasts because they do go a really long way of helping us, uh, helping us uh, get the show noticed. And we uh, definitely appreciate any feedback, even if it's negative, because ultimately that constructive criticism will help game opinions grow big and strong, uh, like it ate a bowl of Cheerios. So uh, that's all I got for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed. I thank you so much for listening in. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Bye.